Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through View 507. Today we're going to take a look at Tyrants of the Underdark. It's a Dungeons and Dragons themed game. This is sort of co-published with Gale Force 9 and Wizards of the Coast. It is a very interesting theme. I'll kind of try not to spoil the review too much, but you are Tyrants of the Underdark trying to take control of different areas and sort of networks and build up sort of a cache or collection of minions to do your bidding for you. So the mechanics are kind of deck building smashed with area control and almost kind of like route control in a way. Uh, so you'd be building your decks and customizing your decks as you play the game and then taking control of the areas and scoring victory points and getting special abilities and things. So let's go ahead and jump into how it actually works and then I'll tell you what I think of it. Okay, so I've gone ahead and set up the board here for two players. Now what you're gonna do is you can see these dotted lines right here and then right here. When you're playing with two players, you're just gonna play with all the locations in the center. If you play with three, you'll choose one of the ends and then also with the center. And of course, with four players, you're gonna play with the entire board. Now on the board, if we zoom in a little bit here, you can see some of these neutral markers are set up. And these are set up on all these spots here with the swords. So these are some house in the underworld here of the drow, the dark elves, that you're going to be replacing. And then you'll eventually put your own markers out here as you replace these, and then other players will try to take yours out and so on. And so what you're trying to do is get control of these different locations. We can see here, this will give you points there at the end of the game for controlling these different locations. And then for having control of these ones with circles, you will get this little token. So this will give you one extra influence to spend. So this is how you buy new cards. If you have complete control or total control, you'll get that plus three victory points each round. Now control is simply having the most pieces there. Total control is owning all the spaces in that particular location. The other thing you can do is set up this market board. You can see I got a mess of victory point tokens there. These are some of the general cards that you can purchase in the game. So like you can get these house guard cards into your deck there if that will focus. And so this, you can see this guy will give you two power. He has a cost of three, so I need to spend three influence to get him in my deck. And then uh, he will be worth one point in my deck and three points if I promote him, which I'll talk about in a minute. But you're dealing with two currencies. You've got power here, which is used to interact with the board. And then again, we've already seen this here. We've got influence there. If you buy one of these Priestess of Loth with Koch 2, these will actually give you two influence. Now, these insane outcasts aren't necessarily always used. They're going to depend on what goes into this main market deck. So we're going to build this deck and then we're going to draw cards out and put them up there. And these are also going to be sort of more specialized cards that have cooler effects and things. Now, this is made up of two separate decks. There's two 40-card decks that you'll take and shuffle together, and you can see which deck they belong to based on uh, this little symbol here. So we've got the drow and the dragon symbol. And so we're going to take these two, shuffle them up, and put them here. Well, there's two other decks, the elemental and the demon decks. And so you can choose and make up what, how you want this market to be. And if you use the demon decks here, then that's when these insane outcasts might come into play. Otherwise, you don't need to set them up. So you can customize that to the sort of style of game that you want to play. And then each player has a player board and it gives you a little sort of turn order and how that actually is going to work. One player will get the first player marker and that's just to remember who that was so everybody has an even number of turns. Uh, the game will run out when one player uh, uses all of their troop markers or if that market deck runs out. Now players have these troop markers here and they're just the same thing there in the different colors with different symbols. And everybody has these little spy miniatures there as well. 
Now each player has the same starting deck, uh, similar to a game like Dominion. So we've got nobles and soldiers there. So you can see the nobles, when you play them, they give you one influence, and the soldiers give you one power. You start with seven nobles and three soldiers, and then you draw five cards and you play the cards, and you can do a variety of different actions. Sometimes you'll have effects on the cards that allow you to do certain things, and sometimes you can just spend those currencies to do certain things. So a lot of times you're gonna be using these actions here, and these are gonna cost power. You can see that there. So you can spend one power to deploy a troop. Let's just put a troop onto the board. You can assassinate a troop. If you assassinate somebody else's troop, you're gonna actually take that and put that down here in your trophy hall. And normally you would have your own troops underneath the barracks, but I'm out of table space. <laughs> and then the other thing you can do is you can return an enemy spy. And then of course you can also recruit cards for influence. And then you get any victory points after you've done any number of actions you want and you discard all the cards you had and all the cards in your hand and you draw back up to five cards, similar to a lot of deck builders. So the other thing you're gonna do before the game starts, you can see these black areas here. Each player is going to take one of their troops and put them into a different black area. So maybe I'll mark this one here, and then the black player is feeling a little bit frisky, so he'll go in here and start to mess with these neutral troops, like so. So each player gets to put in a different starting area. And this, what this is going to do is it's going to give you presence in that area. So the game has a term presence, and that basically just means you have a troop there, or you have a troop adjacent to it. So you can do a lot of things based on if you have presence. So the first thing you're gonna do, again, is spend one power to deploy a troop, and I could do that, and the only place I could do that right now is this spot here, or I could do it on these routes. So if you have presence in a particular region, you can start to go over to the adjacent spots on the route, and then from there you can work down as you're adjacent to that. So deploying a troop always costs one power, and you put that out wherever you have a guy. And you can always spend a power to do that. Now you can assassinate a troop. Maybe the black player is going to take his turn. He spends three power. You can always spend three power to assassinate anything where you have presence. So he could remove that, and then he would put that in his trophy room, and he would score points for that at the end of the game. And also start to clear away space. Now, as I said, you get control if you have the most pieces, and you get full control if you have all the pieces. But if there's an enemy spy in that particular spot, there's different effects that allow you to put out a spy like that. And you don't put it in one of these little slots. You just kind of put it there, you know, sort of attached to that area. That will break full control. Even if somebody has all the pieces, the presence of a spy there will break you from having full control. That only actually matters <laughs> when you have uh, these tokens here. So as you get control of these spaces with these tokens, you have basic control, then again, full control, which could be broken by a spy. And the other thing that you can always do is you can spend three power to return a spy. So if the black player was in here and the red player had used an effect to play a spy, he could spend three power and he would return that back to the player. And again, to do the assassinate and the return of spy, you need to have presence in there. So you need to start kind of working your way through these different networks to do that. The other term you might see is supplant. So let's say the black player was coming down. He'd worked his way down here. You can supplant. Well, that means you'll assassinate that, take that and score that and then you'll replace it with one ear. So it's kind of a assassinate and deploy at the same time. Now, another term that the game will use is the idea of promoting. So as you play cards, you'll take and play them. And then as you're done playing them, you'll take and put them into your discard pile. If you have other cards, they'll usually say, promote a card that you played at this turn. So maybe I'll play this soldier here, get some power out of it. You can see this guy's worth zero points in my deck. He's a starting card. He's not going to give you any points. But if I promote it, I'll go ahead and put them here on my special altar here. And then once any cards are in there, they're going to score 
this amount of victory points there. So this guy will not be worth a point. Plus, I got the bonus of thinning my deck of sort of a weaker card. Now some cards will allow you to sort of trash, or in this case, devour a card. And you've got this little pile here, and those are just kind of devoured and out of the game. You can see the Mind Flare eats them. And let's just take a look at some of the special abilities just to give you some idea of the flavor here. So the Worm Speaker, let's take a look at this one here just to show you. So this one will give you an extra influence. And at the end of the turn, you can see you, this is promote another card played this turn. So that's how you, a lot of the promotions will happen. Here's a kind of a higher value one. A lot of the uh, Dragon cards have that. So this is cost you seven. It's going to give you a whole bunch of power there. Four points just for being in a deck, but if you promote it, you get eight points. So there's a temptation there. Uh, you know, after you spend some power, maybe towards the end of the game, you know, you might shift that over. It's kind of deciding when the right time to do that is. Uh, this one here, sometimes this will give you a choice here. So you can choose to get, excuse me, uh, two influence or assassinate a troop. Uh, on this side here, you can see there's this focus here. So this is ambition focus. So that means if I play another uh, card with the ambition, then, then I'm able to sort of pay this cost and actually get that extra uh, bonus there. And sometimes you will have to do a thing. So this is choose when I can place a spy or once I got a spy out there, I can return one of my spies to draw two cards. And sometimes you might get spies out there, return them and give you extra power and so on. But during the game, you might score points, obviously for controlling areas, having total control, you'll collect the victory points like that. You're also going to get, let's take a peek here, again, the value here in victory points at the end of the game. If you have total control at the end of the game, you get plus two victory points on top of that. You're gonna get a point for each of the enemy troops you have. And then finally, again, you're gonna get victory points based on this number, whether the card's in your deck or on your circle. Okay, so that is Tyrants of the Underdark. Really enjoy this game. Uh, so it's got deck building, it's got area control, it's got a lot of things we've kind of seen before. I mean, it kind of reminds me of trains a little bit from AEG where you have deck building and then you're sort of trying to control areas and routes uh, and build those up and connect cities. So, but it plays very, very differently than that. So the thing that is most interesting to me, I'll just jump right into that, is a lot of times with deck building you have sort of, I'm building up money and then I'm trying to get points. It's kind of that shift in the gameplay. But this kind of has multiple shifts where, okay, I need influence, I want to get the cool cards and get those guys out. But then I want to start to take over territory because you need to kind of grow that network of folks so you can start to then switch over and then start assassinating and moving spies around and trying to get in people's face. So you have kind of multiple stages and sort of like a beginning and an end. There's a beginning, a middle, and then a kind of another middle and then an end with this. Because then at the end, you're trying to sort of promote and you know all these folks that you've been recruiting, these minions or have been doing good work for you, now you're gonna give them a promotion and you know bring them into your inner circle, into your inner court. So. That's really cool and very interesting. And you've got sort of that kind of two-pronged approach too where you might try to strike out, grab a couple of areas, and then sort of soak them for victory points if you can. So you don't want to let people do that too much. So you've got these kind of multiple stages of when do I kind of pull the trigger and switch and tack my strategy to be the most efficient. Uh, each of the decks is very different. Like I said, you shuffle the two decks together. Some of them are like just big, powerful cards worth lots of points. Uh, there's the one that gives all the players the insane out, uh, outcast, and that's just going to like fill up the deck with you know useless junk. You've got to take actions to get rid of that, sort of like waste in trains, if you will. Uh, but if you don't like that kind of stuff, you can kind of just play without it. And I haven't tried this, but we were talking about it, and it's, you could kind of just take 
and customize it even further. Now, you probably will run into maybe some balance issues, but I definitely think it's open for exploration where you can take some cards out of, you know, one of the 40 card decks and then take some of the others and some of the others. So there are cards that are sort of common and rare. So like they're more frequent in the deck. And so you could take like one rare out of this deck with another rare of another deck and just have, you know, the commons from that. So if you think kind of along the lines of, uh, if, you've, if you've played Imperial Settlers or Lost Legacy, you kind of have that same concept. So if you're familiar with that, that should be right at home with that. So I think you could do that and have, you know, tweak and sort of add replayability to the game. And the second thing I really like about it, after I've talked about the mechanics, is it actually does work really well uh, with the theme. Uh, and I've read a lot of the, uh, the Driz, du, however you say his name, Dries Duerden, and the description of Menzabrenzan and the Underdark and all that, how that kind of works, and these sort of different outposts and the networks of the caves and all that, and sort of this the conniving, sort of backstabbing nature of the Dark Elves, this really kind of evokes that relatively abstractly but you kind of get to the sense of it maybe not certainly like the grounding in the reality of the theme but the sort of the presence of the theme and the feeling of you know sneaking around getting troops out building your network recruiting these different minions to do stuff for you uh, so it, it works really well thematically I think it's a good choice for the style of game so I think if you're a deck building fan get this because it's a very kind of different deck builder if you're an area control fan i think this is a very cool uh take on area control we haven't really seen like straight area control with deck building now it kind of hits on some of the same notes as maybe a few acres of snow and trains a little bit but it's a definitely it's its own beast but i think you'll be able to get into it and then see kind of the differences with that a lot of stuff i talked about was sort of the immediate scoring versus you know the promotions versus all that kind of stuff and and the choices are going to happen and the, the different deck combinations and everything uh so yeah i really enjoyed it i mean the one thing that's been commented to me, it doesn't bother me because I kind of, you can kind of tell I kind of get into the game, is sort of the, not the artwork, but kind of the graphic design. The little troop tokens are just these little shields, and it the spaces are, are kind of stark and everything. So I think some people would expect a little bit better art, but the actual art on the cards and on the, the board itself, and it's got a cool kind of background and everything. It's really cool. I think... I don't know, I've had more than one person tell me they didn't like the look of it at all. But I look at it and I think the artwork's great, um, but maybe the graphic design's a little bit funky. <laughs> but I don't know. So that's the one complaint that I've heard. But it doesn't bother me, but I figure I should bring it up just because I've heard it more than once. So I highly recommend the game, though. Uh, definitely take a look at it. I think it's going to have good replayability. And, uh, you know, it's really fun. It's, a, it's actually kind of a different theme, too. When you think of a D&D &D game, you always think of, like, you know, Dungeon Crawl or this faction versus that faction. But now you're immersed in this uh, very interesting world of the Underdark. So, okay, thanks. Thanks.